Hi, I'm Bob Ramsey, Toronto writer and commentator. Twice a week, I offer my take on the world, from craven politics and unchecked ambition to secret sauces, bitter loss, and fist-pumping redemption. The stories to live by. Quirky, high-style, tear-jerking, funny ha-ha, sometimes funny peculiar. My tales don't walk down the sidewalk and browse in the windows. They sneak into alleyways and come out onto different worlds. Alex Brown narrates each mini-podcast to bring to your ears what you see with your eyes in my twice-a-week blogs. And now, today's episode of Ramsey Writes. The news on depression isn't all that depressing. Written by Bob Ramsey. A decade ago, after my open-heart surgery, I was feeling depressed. This happens a lot to people who've had their hearts cracked open, fixed, and sewn back up. But why depression? As one eminent cardiologist said, your heart has endured a gross insult. Of course, I denied it. I remember standing outside the supermarket at Pape and Danforth and screaming at my wife, the doctor, who had gently suggested I may be a bit depressed. I'm not depressed. I'm just sad. I was depressed. My doctor prescribed me an antidepressant, and I went to pick it up at the pharmacy the next morning. A lot of friends had warned me that antidepressants don't work, and that you have to go through months of trying one, then another, to find the one that sticks. I was not 30 seconds out of the drugstore when I opened the cap and swallowed my first pill of Remeron. Five minutes later, my wife called to make sure I'd picked up the pills. When she learned I'd already popped the first one and I told her, I feel great, she said, Well, darling, you have a huge need to feel great. Maybe it's not the drug, but the placebo. I was lucky. Once the drug effect did kick in, it turned out Remeron was the antidepressant for me. After a couple of months, I felt a lot better. I can describe it as before. There was no distance between me and my fears, as if they were clamped and tightly screwed to my body and brain. After, there was a little distance. They hovered just outside my skin, but they were no longer under my skin. I could breathe. What I can't fathom is what it would be like to feel depressed all your life, or worse, knowing that antidepressants don't work for you. And talking with a therapist doesn't work either, no matter how deep you dare to go and having 30 or 40 more years to live this way. As I wrote last week, the prospect of such eternal pain could drive me to suicide, or to ask that I be given medical assistance to die, which the laws are now close to allowing. I mentioned that there were some new treatments on the horizon. One was a brain pacemaker that appears to cure deep depression, very groundbreaking and promising. But as a psychiatrist friend pointed out to me, it was a universe of one. The scientists had tried it out on a single patient, so not exactly cleared for takeoff yet. The second treatment I mentioned is RTMS, Repetitive Transcranial Magnetic Stimulation. While it's been used for close to a decade in Canada, the jury is still out as to its ability to cure or even reduce deep depression. Where does this leave us? As my wife pointed out, if there are three treatments for a single condition, Generally, none of them works that well. My sense is that because depression is both a physical and a mental illness, and some say a spiritual one as well, there's just never going to be a single pill you can take 
or zap you can get, and magically, you're, as they said about Prozac, better than well. But there are other treatments that deserve mention. One is old, the other new. One is ancient. All have legions of detractors and fans because they're mired in the swamps of stigma. The first is ECT, electroconvulsive therapy. It's been around for 80 years. And if your image of it is colored by Jack Nicholson in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, it's not that anymore. The reason ECT has survived 80 years is not that sadistic nurses are using it to gork their aggressive patients. It's because in many cases, it works well and quickly. As the CAMH website notes, in fact, it is safe and effective for treating severe depression when patients have symptoms that haven't responded to medication, counseling, or other psychosocial treatments. In the words of one CAMH psychiatrist, Yes, like all treatments, it has side effects, but it has impressive front effects. The irony is that it is simultaneously highly effective and highly stigmatized, and certainly less invasive than deep brain stimulation. Another promising and much newer form of treatment for depression and other mental illnesses is ketamine, which began life as an anesthetic for animals, was then used to treat soldiers in the Vietnam War, then became a suicide calming drug, and until recently was a party drug, Special K, whose two-hour trip mirrors that of acid. Now, hundreds of researchers and labs all over the world are working to find if ketamine can help treat depression when other treatments fail. As the Harvard Health blog noted, it's not entirely clear how ketamine works. Because it exerts an antidepressant effect through a new mechanism, ketamine may be able to help people successfully manage depression when other treatments have not worked. Then, last year, Johns Hopkins reported on a small study that announced the psychedelic psilocybin, which is found in magic mushrooms, produced rapid and large reductions in depressive symptoms. Already, entrepreneurs are getting into the online fungi therapy business. Clearly, there's a long way to go before ketamine and psilocybin become mainline treatments for depression. But the fact that they're both new uses for old drugs and, in the case of mushrooms, ancient and indigenous drugs, suggests that medicine is absorbing new ways of thinking to solve persistent, suicidal problems. Today's Ramsey Writes was read by Alex Brown. For more information on Bob Ramsey, his work, and all the other things he does besides writing, go to RamseyInc.com. That's R-A-M-S-A-Y-I-N-C dot com.